1: You're watching Global BC. This is
2: Global News Hour at 6.
3: Good evening and thanks for joining us. The provincial government revealed a budget surplus today that shocked a lot of people familiar with provincial politics.
4: $5.7 billion it wasn't expecting. The economy is doing far better than anyone predicted. And Richard Zussman shows us what the EB government plans to do with the windfall.
5: An economic windfall
6: we are in a strong uh, fiscal position.
5: A surprising bounce back has British Columbia's bank account full of cash. The second quarter fiscal update showing a $5.7 billion operating surplus, a staggering $5 billion, better than expected, largely driven by an influx of cash from the Canadian Revenue Agency, $1.27 billion more in personal income tax revenue and $2.8 billion more in corporate income tax revenue.
6: This is a shock rebound numbers and so um, whether they're going to hold over the long term um, remains to be seen.
5: But with David Eby fresh on the job, there seems to be an inclination to spend largely on the big four. Healthcare,
1: the economy, housing and public safety. You'll see see us uh, making sure we're using our resources to support British Columbians on those priorities. But the real question is, what are we
5: getting for these dollars? Uh, the deliverables by every measure, be it crimes and
1: safety, be
5: it on housing, be it affordability, be it health care, um, the results are horrible right now. This massive surplus will also put pressure on the province around the negotiating table. The BC Nurses Union still hasn't started talks around a new contract with the government. And they will no doubt see this money as something they can possibly access.
7: This is really promising news to hear that there is money uh, that could be going towards uh, improving the province's health care crisis.
5: But economists are warning, now is not the time to spend, especially in the form of direct checks to British Columbians. And there's a temptation to want to kind of uh, deliver government services and some fiscal stimulus when the economy is slowing. But in this environment, with this high rate of inflation, it would be counterproductive to provide a whole bunch of additional stimulus. With so many hot-button issues and opportunities to spend cash, this money may ultimately burn a hole in the Premier's pocket. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
3: Well, it's clear the EB government has heard the chorus of protests from BC's autism community about proposed changes to government funding. As Amad Gahi reports, EB has announced a sudden about-face about the idea.
6: Stop hurting me,
8: after a full year trying to convince concerned families in British Columbia that a dramatic change in the way government delivered its autism funding was necessary, the NDP has walked back the unpopular policy shift and is heading back to the drawing board.
1: My hope here is that uh, we have a reset.
8: Last year the province announced plans to sunset its current model, phasing out direct individualized funding to families and replacing it with a new centralized support hub model by 2025. But the pushback was strong and relentless as parents banded together in protest.
1: Serious concerns were raised about that approach.
0: Wow, I mean it's been a whole year of advocacy work. We were, uh, we're, we're shocked, we're surprised, we're happy. Uh, We know a lot more work needs to be done, but this is a a big win for those families.
8: The province has said its new so-called family connection centres would serve children with autism while also catering to the needs of kids with other support needs that do not have a diagnosis. That wait list currently sitting at more than 6,000. But parents were reluctant to move away from the existing program in which families are eligible for $22,000 in funding per year for children under six, dropping to 6000 per year for ages six and up.
6: We definitely were not heard by the NDP government. It, and to take a year to change something, um,
7: that's too long. That's too long to leave families in a state of stress and uncertainty. You ask, how are you? How are you doing?
8: Elena Lawson says had the government pushed through with its original plan, it would have meant regression in her seven-year-old son's condition.
0: It's such a big win, um, but again, I just want to say that this isn't only about um, autistic kids. This is about kids with all disabilities.
8: A victory that is reward for the resiliency shown by parents who are accustomed to overcoming adversity every day. Emadagahi Madagahi Global News.
4: A controversial contract to clear debris around the Hastings Street sidewalk encampment has been cancelled. The city had given the more than $300,000 contract to a group of activists after the VPD stopped supporting city workers in the daily cleanups on the downtown east side. But it hasn't turned out as planned. Kristen Robinson reports.
7: Yeah, 1245 sign up. Six days a week, Al Fowler and other downtown east side residents can earn 20 bucks an hour to sweep the block. When tents on this four-block stretch of East Hastings grew last July, the city's arts, culture and community services team awarded the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users, or VANDU, a $320,000 contract for a six-month block stewardship pilot program. The goal was to develop an alternative street cleaning process to supplement the work of city engineering crews who were no longer accompanied by the VPD in daily street and sidewalk sweeping. A lot of the residents have joined
9: in too in in keeping the areas clean. It's, It's, you know, it's sort of brought the community together to do this.
10: There's nobody better or worse. We're all down here together. We all have to look out for
7: each other. In October, the city told Global News the pilot has been empowering people who are experiencing homelessness and other downtown Eastside residents to keep sidewalks and doorways passable and clean for everyone. Do things look cleaner to you? Well, to be perfectly honest, not really. They're doing what they can, but they would have to actually be out there 24 hours a day to make a significant difference. On November 10th, the city gave Vandu 30 days notice it was ending the contract. Later stating, after an interim assessment of the program, it is evident Vandu placed emphasis on community development and individual empowerment rather than street cleaning.
9: We were here to empower people to have a say in their community. That was what is in the contract, and we fulfilled every piece of it.
7: Vendu says it received five months of contract cash, or upwards of a quarter of a million dollars. The city says it provided 50% of the funding and will give Vandu a prorated amount for the transition. How was the money spent?
9: The money spent, it was primarily, again, going to the residents, right? It was going to our block leaders. It was going to residents themselves through the dignified work programs. Uh, it was going to staffing costs for essentially doubling, tripling our capacity here at
8: Vandu.
11: And I think the priorities of a government uh, and the priorities of a nonprofit uh, may not always align. And I think that might be a challenge in this case. Um, and I think the city uh, you know, needs to think about those things when they're putting out big contracts.
7: The fire chief who issued a July 25th order for the tents to be cleared, citing a catastrophic safety risk. Says buildings and exits are still blocked as winter approaches. Her biggest fear is being able to get SRO residents out in the event of a fire. It could be deadly to the occupants
6: that are in the tents, it could be devastating and potentially deadly to the occupants in buildings.
7: The city will now issue a request for proposals through engineering to nonprofits experienced in delivering focused cleaning programs. Meantime, its own crews continue to sweep more than 2,000 kilograms of materials from East Hastings each day. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
3: Fraser Health is warning drug users that smoking toxic substances is just as risky as injecting them. The health authority says the toxic drug supply is so unpredictable that all drug use comes with a heightened risk of overdose right now. But new data shows an increasing number of people are choosing to smoke their drugs rather than inject because they think it's safer. Fraser Health is launching a new social media campaign to raise awareness.
4: The BC Coroner Service has released its report into a crash that killed three young hockey players in Surrey in 2021. Ronan Sharma, Caleb Reimer and Parker Magnuson were killed when the car Magnuson was driving lost control on a curve on 104th Avenue and slammed into a tree. The police investigation into the crash found the car was going 187 kilometers an hour at the time. An autopsy on Magnuson found a moderate to heavy level of alcohol consumption. Sharma was in the back seat, not wearing a seatbelt. Both of the boys in the front seat were. The coroner has ruled all three teens were killed by blunt force trauma and their deaths were accidental.
3: Vancouver police are defending their actions after a video posted on social media shows a man being subdued by police who used a beanbag gun. It happened during an arrest on Thursday in Chinatown with the man at one point telling officers to go ahead and shoot him. After officers took the man down and used a police dog to further subdue him, onlookers screamed at police for using force. But Vancouver police defend their actions, saying the man is a high-risk, violent offender with a history of armed robberies, assaulting police and drug trafficking, and was arrestable for another previous offense. They say he had commandeered a cab and threatened to kill the cab driver before police forced it to stop.
4: Well, we are getting our first look at a draft of the plan to keep the RCMP in Surrey. On Monday, the report will go before City Council. The first step in what will be a lengthy and likely expensive process to roll all the officers and staff hired by the the Surrey Municipal Police Force into the RCMP. Jordan Armstrong joins us with the details on this.
1: jordan sophie let's start with the cost because the report does not include a cost estimate for the transition it does however drop the bombshell on surrey taxpayers that the current hybrid model of rcmp and surrey police service will cost 21 million dollars more by year's end than forecast looking ahead if surrey chooses to revert to the rcmp the report states it would need to hire 161 new mounties How would they do that? The top idea in the report is to recruit from SPS. But it should be noted the Surrey Police Union has claimed the vast majority of its members are not interested in joining the RCMP. What happens next is this report will be presented to council, as you mentioned, Monday evening. Council would then direct staff to come up with a more detailed transition plan to be voted on next month. If that's approved, it would go to Solicitor General Mike Farnworth for a final decision. But at this juncture, the biggest questions surrounding cost and timeline remain unclear. This report is missing a lot of key details, Sophie. It
4: certainly is. Looking forward to hearing those details. All right. Thanks, Jordan.
3: The Tecumloops Tecumlops and City of Kamloops are bidding to host the 2027 North American Indigenous Games. The nation will serve as BC's candidate to host the Games, which will now head to the next level to decide who will represent Western Canada as the potential Games host. Bid organizers call it a historic opportunity to showcase the First Nations culture. The Games are the largest international event for Indigenous youth in North America.
7: This event would be the largest hosted in the history in this area. Welcoming up to 6,000 participants across from Turtle Island, across Canada, coast to coast, and to the territories
4: and the United States.
3: The B.C. bid now goes up against bids from the prairies and the Western Canadian bid community will be decided in March. The host of the 2027 North American Indigenous Games will be announced in July.
4: Black Friday is back, but for retailers and customers it seems a little bleak. Even shoppers crossing the border today were hard-pressed to find bargains. That's next on the News Hour. <laughs> does it make you happy to make people happy?
6: Heck yeah, I make people happy.
4: You definitely does make people in Vancouver happy. That was Cody Lee, the special performance by the America's Got Talent superstar, later on the News Hour.
3: And a flight to Kitchener ends badly for some passengers and crew flying from Vancouver. We'll tell you more about that a little later.
4: Right now, though, it's the first Black Friday since Canada lifted pandemic restrictions at the border. But the weights to cross were like any other Friday, and the crowds thinner than usual.
3: Still, as Travis Prasad reports, some British Columbians made their way over to the U.S. looking for those savings.
12: But how much they're buying this Black Friday is different. In Bellingham, it's looking more like Bleak Friday. Parking lots not even close to capacity. The scan of the license plates shows most shoppers are from Washington state. But we did find some British Columbians crossing the border to save on big ticket
8: items. Probably $150 that's in mind for uh, the both products. I just came in
1: for a PS5, that's it. But the TVs are inexpensive at the uh, Best Buy's. It's
12: the first restriction-free Black Friday after Canada lifted all COVID measures at the border in October.
10: Last night I was preparing to get like the ArriveCan app and it's like oh you don't, you don't need that anymore so that's a good thing
12: still border lineups were light all day with just a 30 minute wait at Peace Arch. Cami Grichelle says Canadian customers helped her Bellingham jewelry shop survive the 2008 recession she now hopes her neighbors to the north will help with pandemic recovery but it's been a slow start
13: A lot of us were prepared to welcome everyone back and um, it just didn't happen quite as quickly here as uh, it did with some of the bigger businesses, but we're finally starting to see our Canadian shoppers again, so very happy about that.
12: According to the Retail Council of Canada, one-third of Canadians who live near the border plan on doing some holiday shopping in the States, and the average Canadian will spend $790 on gifts. But there's a catch.
7: That uh, $790 it's not gonna carry you as far as it did last year because of inflation. So the uh, survey actually found that people are planning to buy fewer gifts for a fewer number of people spending the same amount of money.
12: On top of inflation, there's the slumping Canadian dollar. It's another incentive to shop locally. Like the estimated 40,000 people who spent Black Friday at the MacArthur Glen outlet mall in Richmond. When we come, it was fine, but I don't think so right now. It's like, it's very hard to get the parking.
7: Are the deals worth it? Oh
12: yeah, of course. That's how like I got a day off today. For shoppers in Washington who didn't find what they wanted, there's always next week, specifically Monday.
10: They're going to have like a Cyber Monday thing and everything's online so you can compare prices as well and I might just do that.
12: Travis Prasad, Global News.
4: Well, Christmas is exactly one month away, but this holiday season, finding a turkey might be a bit of a challenge. That's because of the bird flu. It's turning up in more farms across this province, impacting the turkey population. Coming on the heels of the devastating floods last year that heavily damaged the agriculture sector. The bird flu came from Europe about a year ago, landing in Newfoundland, and now has made its way west.
7: We had outbreaks in beginning in April, and then we had a bit of a busy spring. It died down a little bit over the summer, but not as much as we normally see. And right now, we are getting um, quite a number of positive farms. And unfortunately, turkeys seem to be quite vul- vulnerable.
4: She says there's no shortage of eggs or chicken. And there isn't expected to be either. But the bird flu is making it challenging for turkey farmers to fulfill market demand for Christmas.
3: Twitter will finally roll out its new verification system with no charge to users. CEO Elon Musk tweeted today that the company will launch its delayed verified service next Friday. Users will see different colored check marks. Musk says a gold check is for companies, gray is for government accounts, and the existing blue check mark is for individuals, whether they are celebrities or not. All verified accounts will be manually authenticated. Musk calls the move quote painful but necessary after the company was forced to pause the eight dollar blue verified service which led to users impersonating brands and public figures
4: coming up the final witness at the emergencies act inquiry
9: what if the worst had happened in those following days
4: what Justin Trudeau says about his decision to invoke the act
3: and paying it forward with Paddington Bear. What happened to all those stuffed toys left for the Queen?
6: Good evening, and some good news over here at the Patello Bridge. Just now, cleared up a police incident northbound at the south end. Traffic is starting to recover out of Surrey. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $55 million, plus an estimated four Max millions. Lotto Max streamed to the max. I'm Trish Dewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge.
3: week, public inquiry into the federal government's use of the Emergencies Act has concluded with the Prime Minister offering testimony.
4: Justin Trudeau spoke about how his government reached the decision to use the act to end the so-called Freedom Convoy protests across the country. Kyle
9: Benning has more. Interfere
11: with in the lives of Canadians until such a decision was
9: taken. A full house watching the Prime Minister give evidence in the Emergencies Act inquiry. Justin Trudeau laid out his decision to invoke the act for the first time in Canada's history. He noted it was an option after the first weekend of the so-called Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. It was just understanding that if this situation continues and is unable to get under control by anything else, the federal government might have to give the provinces more powers, give police more powers, do something to put an end to this. Whenever we said, yeah, we're looking at all options, it would have been in the back of our minds. Trudeau noted while it was in the back of his mind, it wasn't more clearly considered until February 10th. The Prime Minister said he sought advice from advisors across government, in his cabinet, from security agencies, as well as premiers, before invoking the Act on the 14th. He said lawmakers were looking for ways to enhance laws to avoid using the Act, but said his responsibility to keep Canadians safe was the overwhelming notion leading to his decision. Every input we were getting on that uh, weekend at the IRG uh, was that things were not getting better, things were getting worse. That includes advice from the Canadian Security Intelligence Service that said while the convoy did not meet the threshold of a public order emergency by its definition, it still recommended using the act. Opposition lawyers questioned why the government felt it had to reach for these extremes.
7: When did you and your government start to become so afraid of your own citizens?
9: That's a very I am not, and we are not. Trudeau is the last witness of the six-week inquiry. The Commissioner will have until February 20th to submit a report to the House of Commons and Senate about how the act was used and any recommendations to change its powers. Kyle Benning, Global News.
3: A plane traveling from Vancouver to Kitchener, Ontario, had a bit of a scary landing this morning. Around 9.25 a.m. Pacific time, Flair Airlines flight F8501 went right off the end of the runway after touching down at Waterloo International Airport. There are no injuries reported and the 134 passengers and six crew members on board were able to exit the aircraft and were taken to the terminal by bus. The Transportation Safety Board is now
11: investigating what went wrong.
4: Up ahead, a question of ethics in the wolf cull program.
11: The contractors are actually using wolf pups in uh, their method.
4: Animal advocates angry about the province's methods to control the population.
3: And how boxing is giving Parkinson's patients a fighting chance. Tune in to Rise for BC Kids. See firsthand how BC Children's Hospital is transforming healthcare for children. At BC Children's Hospital, small is mighty. Rise for BC Kids, Saturday, November 26th, in partnership with Global BC.
5: From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News, connect, connect,
6: Good evening. Crews are on scene to a multi vehicle crash here in Richmond, westbound on Highway 91, just before Westminster Highway. Two of the four lanes are blocked for now. Through a charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 91 in the Alex Fraser Bridge.
3: The B.C. government is once again coming under fire for its handling of a controversial wolf
11: call.
4: The Furbearers, a non-profit society, says documents obtained under Freedom of Information show hunters tagging and tracking young pups to help kill wolf packs. Paul Johnson reports.
2: Whatever you may think about the ethics of B.C.'s controversial wolf kill program, The government has always insisted it's carried out the shooting of wolves from helicopters in a humane way. Now, new details unearthed by an animal rights group have them challenging that.
11: As part of those FOI requests, you know, this recent batch, we found that the contractors are actually using wolf pups in uh, their methods.
2: Much of what activists know about Victoria's wolf kill program has come from Freedom of Information requests. In his latest inquiry, Aaron Hoffman of the group Fur Bearers discovered something that hadn't been previously known to the public, that wolf pups have also been gunned down. He was particularly troubled by some killings, he says the documents revealed from February of this year near Tweedsmere Park.
11: They're capturing wolf pups, they're collaring them, and then they're tracking their packs. They shoot the pups' packs and then leave that wolf pup alive and so that wolf pup is now alone without its family and then in one case six weeks later the contractors find a wolf pup again traveling with another wolf pup and then they kill them both.
2: The wolf kill program is intended to remove predators and help in the recovery of threatened caribou. It's run by the Ministry of Lands, Water and Resource Stewardship under Minister Josie Osborne. On Friday, the ministry told Global News that pups are not the focus of their program, which is science-based and effective in slowing the decline of caribou. But for Hoffman, news that pups have been killed in the program is confirmation that it fails to meet a reasonable standard of being humane and ethical.
11: To us, it's completely unethical. It's completely counter any principles of ethical wildlife control. And it's really counter to the government's assertion that the wolf call is humane. Uh, It clearly isn't.
2: Paul Johnson, Global News.
4: Canada's health minister is reassuring parents more pediatric medications will be available and some products should start hitting pharmacy shelves soon.
5: This increased domestic supply is in addition to the more than one million units announced last week, distribution of which is currently underway across Canada. An additional importation of around half a million units is scheduled for the next three weeks.
4: Minister Jean-Yves Duclos says during the month of November, 1.1 million units of children's Advil products have been made here in Canada and distributed. Canada's chief medical officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, adds pediatric hospitalizations related to the flu are at levels usually seen at the peak of the season. She expects a high number of flu infections among all ages for weeks to come.
3: A group in Lethbridge, Alberta, is going to the mat to help people living with Parkinson's, fight back. Eric Bay shows us how dopamine boxing is working to improve their mental and physical health.
14: Lethbridge Dopamine Boxing is knocking Parkinson's disease to the canvas. The group is for people living with a disorder that progressively affects the nervous system. Part of uh, the issues that they deal with are just inactivity. Um, With the dopamine receptors dying off and uh, uh, just general neurotransmitters going lower, uh, there's a lot of um, anxiety and depression. Three, two, one. Coach Chris Campbell puts participants through boxing style fitness classes. Training includes group activities, stretching and boxing circuits, including bag work and hitting pads held by instructors. The goal is improving both the physical and mental quality of life. When we're um, engaging in these activities, we see uh, that they have a boost in dopamine, serotonin, which helps work with their uh, L-DOPA medication to uh, retain the dopamine receptors. According to the Parkinson Association of Alberta, an estimated 15,000 Albertans are living with the disease. Client Services Coordinator Brianne LeClaire says groups like dopamine boxing give people a way to fight back. <laughs>
13: Exercise is important for everybody, our mental well-being, our overall physical health, but for Parkinson's it can help people manage their Parkinson's symptoms. It can help improve balance, increase strength, increase range of motion, and just maintain those physical abilities. We had
14: a gentleman who couldn't dress himself for 10 years. He had Parkinson's a few years longer than that, and uh, after three months of working with us, he had built up the cardiorespiratory and muscular strength to engage in those activities. There's still no cure for Parkinson's, but dopamine boxing intends to keep the disease on the ropes. Eric Bay, Global News.
4: Coming up, the incredible talent of Cody Lee. I've been so many places in my life and time. The young man proving there are no limits to living with autism as he performs for a BC audience.
3: And the plan for all those Paddington Bears left when Her Majesty passed. For 35 years, Rise for BC Kids, formerly Miracle Weekend, has shared the extraordinary stories of the young patients, families, and health care experts of BC Children's Hospital. And we hope you can join us as we rise up against childhood illness and support kids around our province who need our help.
4: Tune in this Saturday from 7 to 11 p.m. for Rise for BC Kids right here on Global BC. Donations gratefully received at makeusmighty.com.
3: It's gonna be a great show. Oh,
4: is it .ca? Said CA on the board. Did it
3: say .ca there? It
4: says .ca, so makeusmighty.ca. There we go. Try both if one doesn't
3: work. Uh, Exactly. Thank you very much to everybody who plans to watch that. It's going to be amazing. All right, uh, another day and a little blustery today with uh, more of those leaves falling down. Mm -hmm. Christy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Today was definitely a good day to get out there and rake. I wanted to show you this photo. By the way, we still have snow in the forecast, and we still have a heads-up type of forecast here. You definitely want to stay tuned, but I just want to show you this photo. Did you see this ominous cloud throughout the day today? A lot of people sent us photos wondering what it was. Well, basically, it was the back edge of the system. You remember all the rainfall we had today? Well, that was this very well-defined back edge that rolled across a very dark, ominous cloud on one side, and then a sudden clearing on the other side, and yes, it was windy with that clearing, which is often the case as uh, systems roll through. Alright, we have winter storm watches in effect, and it includes all of the Coca-Cola all the way up to Merritt, pardon me, Camloops all the way up to Kamloops. Uh The Connector, Allison Pass and Rogers Pass. 20 centimeters of snow is possible, windy conditions expected, and this is through the latter part of the day tomorrow. So, if you have to head out on the roads, tomorrow morning is a good time, or Sunday. Do not travel the roads later tomorrow. Heavy snow, windy conditions, barely any Visibility so terrible driving on those highways. All right, here's a look at the system. So it moves down into southern BC as we head throughout the afternoon hours. For the south coast it just means rainfall. It's snowfall and widespread snow for the interior especially the mountain passes. The southern interior regions will be a little bit milder. Sunday night for the south coast we have our first chance of snow and that would be very spotty a few flurries sort of Sunday night into Monday but the better chance for snow will be on Tuesday. As this next system rolls in it looks like we could still have that arctic air in place next week is going to be very cold right across the province we're talking about five degrees below seasonal across the south coast and potentially 10 to 15 degrees above seasonal sorry, below seasonal for the central and northern parts of the province. So there's your Saturday forecast. Widespread rain for the south coast and then Sunday we are going to see a clearing to a mix of sun and cloud but once again it's Sunday night that's the first chance of us seeing snowfall as a few flurries push in and the temperatures begin to drop but it's more so towards Tuesday and Wednesday as the temperatures remain cold next week that we have that possibility of snow. Of course we all know across the south coast the temperature just has to change one degree and that's a significant in difference between no snow and 15 centimeters so tune back in certainly tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from salmon arm where they had some fresh snow and a bit of blue sky thanks to josh for that one back to you chris and soph
4: all right we confirmed it it is makeusmighty.ca
3: yep takes you right to the bc children's hospital foundation website where you can donate (laughs) good
4: all right when queen elizabeth ii died in september thousands of stuffed animals many of them paddington bears were left outside royal palaces and parks
3: now those bears are being passed on to new families
13: a royal journey fit for a queen and another london icon Dozens of Paddington bears travelled through the city to be hand-delivered by Camilla, the Queen Consort. the wife of King Charles met with kids being cared for by a children's charity. He decided that perhaps they- Stars of the Paddington movies joined her for story time and a picnic of marmalade sandwiches.
15: All the children here who have received one of these bears today may not quite get the impact of it now, but to have that uh, by your bed in the years to come will be quite special.
13: I keep mine in here. Queen Elizabeth famously shared a marmalade sandwich with Paddington Bear during her Jubilee celebrations last summer. When she passed away in September, mourners laid more than 1,000 Paddingtons and other teddy bears in tribute. I wanted to reflect the queen's sense of humor. Always thought that was magical and the way she interacted with people. So thought a Paddington might just last a little bit longer than some of the flowers. Volunteers collected and cleaned every bear so each of these kids could give Paddington a new home. Riley Carlson, CBS News, London.
3: She did have a special relationship with Paddington Bear, didn't she?
13: she? Did they had tea together
4: <laughs> for the Jubilee,
3: of course. And sandwiches.
4: All right. Um, well, that's Paddington did drink all the tea right now. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, that is all, true. That's so. It was a bit problematic. But, hi,
15: Barry. How y'all doing? Good. Nice to see you. See you. What's uh, happening? Well, uh, of course there. A couple of things coming up. John Herdman may be a little exposed concerning a newspaper cover in Croatia. We'll talk about that. And the high school football playoffs are starting. We'll feature one of the province's most successful programs, the GW Graham Grizzlies, at of Chilliwack.
10: It's what we preach every day. For us, it's Bear family. And a huge part of that is brotherhood and how these guys treat each other.
15: The Grizzlies play in the semifinals tomorrow at BC Place, and we'll hear all about their special team chemistry coming up in sports.
2: I've been to so many places in my life in time.
4: Also ahead, 2019 America's Got Talent winner Cody Lee comes to Vancouver to share his gift with a BC audience.
3: What would the World Cup be without a little trash-talking, right?
15: A lot of trash-talking, yeah. It's uh, definitely the world stage. So if you if you diss someone else's team, you're going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Canada found out the uh, hard way today. Thanks, guys. Canada's head coach, John Herdman, made the front page on one of Croatia's tabloid newspapers today. Herdman is shown totally nude, with the exception of Canadian flags over his mouth and uh, nether regions. It's in response to Herdman's f croatia comment while he was speaking very emotionally to his team on the field after their tough one no loss to belgium herdman said he meant no disrespect to croatia as a country or soccer team but was just trying to set the tone for his team's mindset ahead of that crucial match sunday against croatia the headline roughly translated mockingly said you have the mouth uh, do you have the stones? I've replaced the word they used. Uh, so Canada has arrived on the world scene. No longer quiet Canadians. It's getting a ton of press. Canada needs to at least draw Sunday to keep their playoff hopes alive at the World Cup. And we suspect Hurden's post-game meeting will be off the field next time. World Cup action today. Marquee match. U.S. taking on England. Americans uh, tied Wales in its opener. Great chance here. Christian Pulisic, the Chelsea man, fires but hits the crossbar. Now, England scored six in its opener against Iran, but they could not beat American goalkeeper Matt Turner. The Americans... Played England very tough in this, and it ends in a nil-nil draw. Meanwhile, earlier, Iran and Wales in the other Group B match. Iranians, as mentioned, blown out 6-2 in their opener, but deep in stoppage time, Iran with a stunner. Ruzbeh Cheshmi with the cracker from distance. Iran scored another and won 2 0 And now if they beat the Americans in their final match, they would advance on. The Americans must win to do the same. So let's take a look at all the scores. There you see the ones we just saw. The Americans draw. Iran winning. Also, the Netherlands beat Ecuador. Both teams have four points. And Qatar, the host, the first team eliminated from the knockout stage after falling to Senegal 3-1. Did Netherlands
3: beat the
15: it was 1-1. Did it say? It, oh, you said beat, but it's a, it's a draw. Oh, it was a draw. Sorry, it was 1-1. Okay. okay. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Barry. That's all right. It's okay to interject you make mistakes, <laughs> .com.ca. it happens. Right? All right. Uh, Canucks have a busy weekend ahead. They're at Vegas tomorrow night, the, then San Jose Sunday. It's likely we will see both goalies with the back-to-back games going on. Spencer Martin's been Vancouver's best goalie this year. Do you know he is 5-1-1 one one in his seven games? Thatcher Demko continues to struggle. He is 2-9-2. NHL today. Flames in Washington. Pick it up in the second. Caps already up one nothing. Uh, add to the lead. This is a pretty one. Genny Kuznetsov with the solo effort. Splits the D. Slides it past Jacob Markstrom. It was 2-0 Washington after two. And they get another in the third on the power play. And it's Alex Ovechkin unleashing the quick wrister. That's his 791st career goal. Just 10 behind Mr. Hockey Gordie Howe and 103 behind Wayne Gretzky on the all-time list, 3-0, Caps win. It is semifinal Saturday tomorrow at B.C. Place for B.C. High School football. In the AAA, Chilliwack's G.W. Graham takes on Burnaby's St. Thomas Moor in one of the semis. G.W. Graham only began its football program in 2012, but already they are one of the province's top programs.
10: It's a tremendous honor, first of all, just to be the head coach of this program and to be able to coach these boys. I feel really fortunate.
15: It's truly been a labor of love for GW Graham head football coach Luke Atchison. He started the program in 2012 and over the past decade has built the Grizzlies into a provincial powerhouse. The success was pretty instantaneous and that has drawn kids who want to play in a strong program. But the foundation has always been based on the human element and that has in turn led to a lot of wins on the football field. It's what we preach
10: every day for us. It's bear family. And a huge part of that is brotherhood and how these guys treat each other and how they have that
12: compassion and love for one, uh, one another. This is almost like a second family for a bunch of us. Like, um, our coaches are really supportive of us, no matter like on the field, off the field. And like, we have like, great fans. like We have great attendance coming out to our games. So like, the school's behind us. Our coaches are behind us. And I feel like all of Chilowack's behind us.
7: And here's
10: a little trickery, wide open down the field. It's caught and it's a touchdown for the Grizzlies. No flags.
15: Last year, the Grizzlies moved up to AAA, wow. the top tier there in BC to play against all the best programs. Right, and they ended up winning their first ever senior varsity, varsity championship last December at BC Place. And they are poised to do it again this year. They have a 10 and one record and are two wins away from a repeat and from building the program up even further everybody knows
11: that we're a good football team and like we have a good program and then when they come here they just like they see the culture they see like who we are they see how everybody's like built together
15: the grizzlies feel they are a program that can compete with the van colleges and terry foxes and notre dame's it's been a steady build that will continue to do things the right way it's a positivity based model philosophy
10: uh, where we just want to be super encouraging to these kids help them have fun while kind of correcting some of those mistakes here and there and and helping them to be successful on the field and in life
15: and we were hoping to have some highlights of that tomorrow night at 11. back to you guys
3: good luck to all the kids thanks barry
4: up next cody's got talent and today he brought it to bc
3: Jordan Armstrong is here with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan.
1: Chris, another grisly discovery has police investigating the possibility of another gang-related crime. Just after 11 Thursday night, the Maple Ridge Fire Department was called to a burning car in the 14300 block of 256th Street. Once the fire was out, police found a body inside. The integrated homicide investigation team has been called in, but it's not known yet whether this is related to the Lower Mainland gang conflict. Plus, Premier David Eby will be making another announcement this weekend, this one having to do with health care, and we'll have a preview tonight at 11. Chris?
3: The announcements are coming fast and furious with the EB government. All right, thanks very much, Jordan.
4: A young man with a powerful voice is proving there are no limits for those with autism spectrum disorder.
3: You might be one of the hundreds of millions of people who watched the viral video of Cody Lee wowing the judges on America's Got Talent. And today he brought a Vancouver crowd to its feet. Catherine Urquhart has the story.
13: This first song, I'm dedicated to my mom. Oh, that's cool.
6: Cody Lee is blind lives with autism, and he is shockingly
13: talented.
6: Cody, you're really an inspiration to so many people. How do you feel about that?
13: Oh my gosh. It was amazing. I think the message
15: is that uh, to keep going, no matter how hard it is, Um, to keep, you know, find their talents, and to give them the tools. I've
6: been so many places in my life and time is best known for winning America's Got Talent in 2019.
4: Cody of Wild wowed the world and Simon Cowell.
6: On Friday, at the fourth annual Pacific Autism Family Network's launch luncheon, the 26-year-old made a very special appearance. Do you ever get nervous before you
13: get up there? No, I'm not nervous. <laughs> I'm happy, nervous, and excited.
6: Before a crowd of 800 people at the Bayshore Hotel, he owned the room. It was amazing. Actually, my kids and I watched um, Cody when he was on America's Got Talent, so it was really, really special to see him in this room. I was absolutely blown away by Cody's performance. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. And feel good. Lee helped to raise more than $1.1 million money that will be used to assist individuals on the autism spectrum and their families.
1: It's programs, services, training, education, research, medical, employment, dental.
15: We work towards meaningful inclusion, meaningful employment, meaningful lives.
6: Meaningful lives like Cody Lee's, a remarkable, gifted individual one who inspires those in the autism community and everyone who hears him sing. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Had to
4: pull out the tissues for that.
3: Oh, I bet. There. I mm-hmm. bet. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, way to go, Cody, and, and what a treat mm-hmm. for the audience. Last word on weather before we go. Christy.
0: Sure. Rainfall tomorrow and heavy snow on the mountain passes tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. Don't travel tomorrow. Sundays will be a much better day. And that brings us a chance of snow Sunday night.
3: Not ideal putting Christmas lights up tomorrow, but I'll give it a shot anyway. Thanks, everybody. Speaking of Christmas lights. Be careful. Be careful. (laughs) I will.
4: Good night, all.